6 and 7 for our first reading, our reading from the book of Psalms. Psalms 6 and 7, verse 1 of Psalm 6. Hear now the inerrant, infallible, and inspired word of God. To the chief musician on Neginot upon Shemnit, a psalm of David. O Lord, rebuke me not in thine anger, neither chasten me in thy hot displeasure. Have mercy upon me, O Lord, for I am weak. O Lord, heal me, for my bones are vexed. My soul is also sore vexed. But thou, O Lord, how long? Return, O Lord, deliver my soul. O save me for thy mercy's sake. For in death there is no remembrance of thee. In the grave, who shall give thee thanks? I am weary with my groaning. All the night I make my bed to swim. I water my couch with my tears. Mine eye is consumed because of grief. It waxeth old because of all mine enemies. Depart from me, all ye workers of iniquity, for the Lord hath heard the voice of my weeping. The Lord hath heard my supplication. The Lord will receive my prayer. Let all mine enemies be ashamed and sore vexed. Let them return and be ashamed suddenly. Psalm 7, Shigeon of David, which he sang unto the Lord concerning the words of Cush the Benjamite. O Lord my God, in thee do I put my trust. Save me from all them that persecute me and deliver me. Lest he tear my soul like a lion rending it in pieces while there is none to deliver. O Lord my God, if I have done this, if there be iniquity in my hands, if I have rewarded evil unto him that was at peace with me, yea, I have delivered him that was without cause, that without cause is mine enemy, then, sorry, let the enemy pursue my soul and take it, yea, let him tread down my life upon the earth and lay Mine honor in the dust. Selah. Arise, O Lord, in thine anger. Lift up thyself because of the rage of mine enemies. And awake for me to the judgment that thou hast commanded. So shall the congregation of the people compass thee about. For their sakes, therefore, return thou on high. The Lord shall judge the people. Judge me, O Lord according to my righteousness and according to mine integrity that is in me. O let the wickedness of the wicked come to an end, but establish the just, for the righteous God trieth the hearts and reins. My defense is of God, which saveth the upright in heart. God judgeth the righteous, and God is angry with the wicked every day. If he turn not, he will whet his sword, He hath bent his bow and made it ready. He hath also prepared for him the instruments of death. He ordaineth his arrows against the persecutors. Behold, he travaileth with iniquity and hath conceived mischief and brought forth falsehood. He made a pit and digged it and is fallen into the ditch which he made. His mischief shall return upon his own head and his violent dealing shall come down upon his own pate. I will praise the Lord according to his righteousness and will sing praise to the name of the Lord Most High. May God add his blessing to the reading and hearing 
of his most holy word. So we have in the uh, psalm title, which is uh, Psalm 611, or yeah, Psalm 6-1, to the chief musician on Neginot upon Shemnit. Neginot, as we have seen before, is best understood as stringed instruments. And as for the second designation, Shemnit, well, there's a division among godly commentators as to the significance of the term. It means the eighth. It has to do with eight. Now, whether that's an eight-stringed instrument or it's to be sung on an octave, um, some would call it a song, a New, uh, New Testament Sabbath song, so they would relegate it to the, quote, eighth day, which we hear about from time to time in the Old Testament as a precursor to the eighth day Sabbath or the first day of the week Sabbath, if you will. Um, there's another designation in Neginot that may be also be instructive here, as many lexicographers have stated, and that is of derision. Sometimes it, 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 uh, its root will be traced back to like a stringed instrument, and at another time uh, there are others who would trace it back to a word that has to do with derision or mocking. It seems to have this designation in Lamentations 3.14 and Job 30 and verse 9. And so some would have this to be a song of mocking or derision. And it seems to be the plight of the psalmist that he is under some form of persecution, mocking, and derision in the psalm. So that may also be... Uh, something of the of the title that we see reduplicated in the balance of the psalm. All right, so verses one through uh, seven is what I have for the first section, and in this first section, uh, David pleads uh, with the Lord for his case, remembering the Lord's just displeasure. Notice, rebuke me not in thine anger, neither chasten me. In thy hot displeasure, have mercy upon me, O Lord, for I am weak, O Lord. Heal me, for my bones are vexed. We're going to read a little bit later on in the psalm that his bones are vexed, his soul is vexed by persecutors. These persecutors, David will say at the very beginning of the psalm, have come upon me because of my own iniquities. It's the rebuke of the Lord. It's the hot displeasure of the Lord. It is the chastening of of the Lord, and so he asks for mercy. We have the same thought in Hebrews chapter 12, that great chapter on the Lord's chastisements, beginning, however, with the gainsaying of sinners against himself in Christ, that he would be a good example when we are persecuted, that those persecutions come upon us for the sake of chastisement. Beloved, may I say it this way and speak very plainly with you, and that is that, you know, If the Lord deals with us according to our sins, we never come out from under affliction and chastisement. When the Lord is particularly moved to chasten us and to bring persecution or other affliction upon us, it always has a reference, at least in one regard, to our sins. And so when we are afflicted by persecution, even through what we would think to be no fault of our own, that we haven't done anything worthy of persecution, still there is a weakness in us that the Lord works on in in these kinds of afflictions, chastisements, and persecutions that come upon us. Just think of Job for a moment. 
Job had done nothing whereby his friends should accuse him the way that they did. We see those accusations against Job as illicit. Yet, would we have an informal conversation with the prophet Job at the end of the book, we would hear him say, no doubt, that the Lord had worked his sin out of him by the afflictions and persecutions and mockings even of his pretended friends. So these are important things to remember. David here is being persecuted. He will make that plain in the balance of Psalm 6. Yet he begins by saying, Rebuke me not in thy wrath and in thy hot displeasure and in thy chastisement. And so he sees these afflictions as coming upon him deservedly, yet he pleads the mercy of the Lord. Okay? So then uh, he will take that all the way to death, right? Return, O Lord, deliver my soul. Save me for thy mercy's sake. For in death there is no remembrance of thee. In the grave who shall give thee thanks? Now notice David's habit in the midst of being afflicted. I am weary with my groaning. Please don't hear David saying, I'm tired of all this. That's not what he means. He means that his afflictions have led him to weariness and weakness. He's not complaining. He's not murmuring. He's not demanding that God remove affliction. He's simply stating the obvious fact that his afflictions keep him up late into the night and he is watering his couch with his tears and he is worn out by his own sin. He will say the same thing, won't he, in Psalm 32. When I was silent, my bones waxed old through my roaring all the day long. For day and night thine hand was heavy upon me. My moisture is turned into the drought of summer. But then he will say, but I opened my mouth to the Lord. I made confession of my sins. And thou forgavest the iniquity of my sins. So, also here in Psalm 6. Mine eye is consumed because of grief. It waxeth old because of all mine enemies. And so... Having come to the Lord and saying to him, rebuke me not in thy wrath and hot displeasure. In other words, I deserve this and worse. Having done that, only then does he turn and say, O Lord, relieve me of mine enemies. O Lord, cause thine anger to come down upon those enemies of mine and thine. So depart from me, all ye workers of iniquity. The Lord hath heard the voice of my weeping. And then verse 9 The Lord hath heard my supplication. The Lord will receive my prayer. And so we note the confidence which David has in his hearing with the Lord that he will bring a greater, a better resolution to what David has seen thus far. Let all mine enemies be ashamed and sore vexed. Let them return and be ashamed suddenly. The only other thing I would mention here is that David speaks about his bones and his soul being vexed. That is, that he speaks about himself as that whole person, that whole-souled person, but also his bones, his body, his framework, if you will. And so David recognizes that we are integrated people, and that when we suffer, we suffer body and soul at the same time. And so he asks on behalf of both. All right, that's Psalm 6. We turn to Psalm 7 now. And this is a Shigeon of David, which he sang unto the Lord concerning the words of Cush, the Benjamite. 
Okay, what is a shigeon? A shigeon comes from a Hebrew word which means to wander. So this is what we might call a wandering psalm. Interesting. Okay, well, let's keep going in the, uh, in the title, which he sang to the Lord concerning the words of Cush, the Benjamite. I, uh, I believe very, uh, very sincerely that you can search the entire life of David and you will never find a man by the name of Cush. For those of you that understand a little bit how Hebrew works, you will know that this word Cush is only different in the vowel pointing with the, with the name Kish. And you remember who Kish was? Who was also a Benjamite? And the father of King Saul. Some commentators I think are correct when they say that this psalm title refers not to Kish, the father of Saul, but for the sake of Saul being the king, David would not name him outright as the one who was persecuting him. And so he would say concerning Kish, the Benjamite, his father. And so this is a wandering psalm of David's time, if you will, on the lamb when he was being chased by Saul, the Benjamite, hither and yon for fear of his life. Concerning the words of Cush the Benjamite when, when Saul said to David, do you remember? I'm going to pin him even to the wall. And from that time forward, David knew that he must stay clear of Saul and wander the land. That's what I think the psalm title means. And so this psalm title, I think, is married to Psalm 6 in that these two psalms speak about David's time of persecution under King Saul and yet David's humility regarding his own confession of sin, although he is persecuted by persecutors. So uh, 7 begins a little bit differently than 6. In Psalm 7, O Lord my God, in thee do I put my trust. Save me from all them that persecute me and deliver me, lest he tear my soul like a lion, rending it in pieces, while there is none to deliver. So David lays out, first of all, the sore trouble that he is in. He has wandered away from the Lord. He no longer goes to church. He is in another land. He's way far away. Uh, in some cases in Gath, in some cases in, uh, in uh, Shechem, in some cases up in Abimelech land, all of those other places rather than in the land. He's a wandering servant of the Lord under persecution and his straits are very difficult. And that's what we have in 1 and 2. Verses 3 and 4, uh, we can also add verse 5 to that speak in much the same way as Psalm 6 did. David will say, O Lord, if this is because of any sin in me, if I have done this, if, there are, if there's iniquity in my hands, if I have rewarded evil to him that was at peace with me, then let the enemy persecute my soul and take it. Yea, let him tread down my life upon the earth and lay mine honor in the dust. And then we're told in that wonderful word, Selah, to stop and meditate on that a moment. Well, let me tell you, beloved, that is worthy of our meditations. What does David say here? 
David says, if this persecution has come upon me for some sin of mine, Lord, then bring it on. I want all of the persecution that it takes to drive sin out of my life. This is the implication of what David says here. It's like the Apostle Paul when he says, if I have done anything worthy of death, I refuse not to die. Right? I know that, that if I have done something worthy of death, that my physical death will be salutary for me. It will tend to my eternal life. Punishment for sin, beloved, is never a bad thing in God's hands. These are God's love strokes upon his people that he may save our souls. Don't ever forget that. Don't desire to be out from underneath punishment because it is uncomfortable. No chastisement seemeth for the moment joyous but grievous, yet afterward it yieldeth the peaceable fruits of righteousness to them that are exercised thereby. So that's what David will say here in 3, 4, and 5. Let the enemy persecute my soul and take it. Let him tread down my life upon the earth and lay mine honor in the dust if I am such a sinner as that, David says. Then in verse 6, Arise, O Lord, in thine anger, lift up thyself because the rage of, of mine enemies, and awake for me to the judgment that thou hast commanded. And so notice his confidence in the Lord's justice. And here we want to understand, as Jonathan Edwards said, that David is here personating Christ. That we see overtones of messianic prophecy in David's words here. Notice what he says. The Lord shall judge his people. Judge me, O Lord, according to my righteousness and according to mine integrity that is in me. That is in David, but only relatively. It is in Christ, absolutely. And so it is Christ alone that can plead in that absolute sense, deal with me according to the integrity of my heart. It is God's people relatively that can plead the same thing, not in absolutism, but in that the Lord has given us a new heart in that sense. So then let the wickedness of the wicked come to an end, but establish the just for the righteous God trieth the heart's and reigns. And I will tell you also that the same David that wrote Psalm 7 is the same David that wrote Psalm 139, right? The Lord trieth the hearts and reigns, where he begins in Psalm 139 saying, O Lord, thou hast searched me and known me. And at the end of Psalm 139 says, Search me, O God, and know my heart. And so David, in confidence of the Lord's mercy, and of him being in Christ, will invite the Lord's scrutinizing gaze. Beloved, that's salutary for us. That the Lord would apprise us of his appraisal of us is indeed a mercy that he would do for us. Then, my defense is of God, which saveth the upright in heart. God judgeth the righteous, and God is angry with the wicked Every day. Every day. Remember Asaph in Psalm 73. He forgot that. He forgot that God is angry with the wicked every day. And he said, look at these wicked folks. It looks like they're having a good old time. 
he forgot that sometimes the anger of the Lord is hidden against them, but surely thou didst set their feet in slippery places. All right, so then if the wicked does not turn, he will, he, God, will whet his sword. He hath bent his bow and made it ready. And so we note here the urgency with which we must turn from wickedness. Right? If we are without Christ, we are without hope and without God in this world, there is an urgency. What is the urgency as it's described here? The Lord has already pulled back that bow. He's already pulled it back. It's ready to be released. The Apostle Paul will, in very urgent manner in 2 Corinthians chapter 6, tell them what? Now is the accepted time. Now is the day of salvation. Right? Don't delay. And so then, um, he hath prepared for him the instruments of death. Behold this wicked man, he travaileth with iniquity. That is, even his best work is fraught with iniquity. He has conceived mischief and brought forth falsehood. David will say later in the Psalms, he lays up at night devising evil on his bed. The thoughts of his heart are only evil continually. He made a pit and digged it and has fallen into the ditch which he made. Oh, he had plans, but the final thing that he did not plan on is falling in that ditch himself. But he did plan a ditch. He did plan a snare. But he fell in it himself. His mischief shall return upon his own head. And his violent dealing shall come down upon his own pate. Children, pate. That's just a, an old English word for the top of the head. Pate. Sometimes you'll hear maybe derisively, maybe in a little bit of jest, someone's quote bald pate. That just means they're bald head. Okay, so um, notice what it says here and be very much informed. Whose mischief is visited on the wicked? Their own. Their own. It is not someone else's fault. It is not God's fault. It is not the angel's fault. It is not just, quote, bad luck. You know, we don't like those terms. Not just my lot. It's just what happened to me. No. David makes it plain here, as does the rest of Scripture, that when the wicked are judged, they are judged for their own sin, and they are judged, therefore, rightly. Rightly. We will not be able to plead on the last day, standing before the Lord. We will not be able to plead, I didn't know, he will say, Romans 1 told you that you had no excuse. We will will not be able to plead, well, you didn't give me the grace that I needed. The Lord will say to them, you have sinned from your own stock and store. It is your own wickedness that has brought this about on you. As we say in our larger catechism, in full conviction of their own consciences, they will receive the fearful but just sentence of condemnation. Finally then, David closes the psalm because of his own confidence in the Lord. I will praise the Lord according to his righteousness. And his righteousness here in verse 17 
has to be understood in the context of his righteousness in upholding and saving his people and in dashing those to the ground who would sin against him and them. That kind of righteousness. I will sing praise to the name of the Lord Most High. Thus ends the reading then of Psalms 6 and 7.